Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast, your go-to source for the latest in industry trends and strategies to help you take your M&A practice to the next level. I am your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance, the only international alliance of M&A firms who focus on the lower middle market. We are here in this, uh, in this format, this podcast, we bring in masterminds who are experienced, knowledgeable, and gracious enough to share how they have succeeded in the M&A space. Today's guest, I'm really excited about. He is um, a very experienced um, valuator, and we're here to talk about valuations and assessments and what those mean and how we go about uh, you know, attacking those. Um, he is an accredited senior appraiser, which he received from the American Society of Appraisers. He is a partner with Exit Strategies Group, an investment bank in Northern California, where he leads their business valuation services. He has valued companies across all industries and sizes, he has a particularly deep interest in, excuse me, in wineries, craft beverages, and technology companies. He has authored many publications around valuing businesses. Please welcome my guest today, Joe Orlando. Joe, thank you for joining. I appreciate you taking the time out today. Yeah, Nick, it's a pleasure. All right, so let's dive in. So, at here at Cornerstone, we do a lot. We do a, a you know a lot of different meetings, and quarterly we get together our valuations group, and we talk a lot about different things. Um, and one of the topics that we want to talk about today that we want to share with our audience is the difference between evaluation and an assessment, um, something that we've talked about in the past. But I um, want to just kind of take a quick step back. And what I just read off, you mean very rich background in business valuations. So how did you get into this profession and, um, you know, what, what got you where you are today? Well, like everybody, I, um, you know, I, I got into it uh, sort of um, in a sort of a different way than I intended. Um, I, uh, I, when I graduated from college, I, um, I started with a small investment banking firm out of New York called CJ Lawrence. Um, and uh, we had four people in the investment banking group, but the majority of the revenue was generated from trading revenue and, and uh, institutional um, independent research. So the banking group was not connected to the research group, which um, you know, certainly was the past in terms of um, selling research and selling coverage in the investment banking practice. So we had a, a very small group and um, that group ended up, uh, CJ Lawrence ended up getting bought by Morgan, Grenfell, Morgan Grenfell, which uh, which is a merchant bank out of the UK at the time. And um, Morgan Grenfell uh, became CJ Lawrence, Morgan Grenfell. And um, I went and worked with the, uh, the Ivy League guys up in Midtown Manhattan um, in the analyst program. So um, banking was really what I was focused on, um, high level, you know, middle to high market investment banking. I spent a good amount of time um, doing that for two years and then um, ended up not wanting to live in New York and moved up to Boston and, and got an opportunity to do some fundamental valuation, which is what I call it. Um, fundamental meaning hypothetical, willing buyer, willing seller, Doing it for you know a scope of work that's a little bit different from an M and A um, from an M and A uh, perspective, and so that's how I got into it. Um, I went back and forth. I worked for a, um, a portfolio management firm for a few years. Um, I went to grad school for a few years. I um, I ended up working at a small, well, not a small, but a, a good size investment banking firm out of um, uh, Arlington, Virginia, called um, Freeman. Um, Freeman Billings Ramsey. Sorry, I I, uh, I blanked for a second. 
Um, and um, FBR was a co um, um, a co manager on an IPO with uh, Credit Suisse First Boston's Technology Group out of Palo Alto. I hit it off with that team, and I was offered a job, and I ended up being a technology investment banker out of Palo Alto and one of the biggest, well, at the time, the biggest investment banking firm in the world, um, which was interesting um, and worked down the hall from Frank Quattrone. Um, and that, um, you know, unfortunately led to, um, you know, when when the, the towers fell and the investment banking business kind of imploded and Frank Quattrone's name was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, it was kind of tough to find a job for a little while. Um, and, um, and I ended up going into fundamental valuation with, um, back into fundamental valuation with bearing point, which is, had just changed from KPMG consulting. So mm -hmm. that led me down a path of valuation that, um, you know, is that, that really was the start. And, you know, with a few stops at Silicon Valley bank and another, <laughs> another great name to be into the, um, on the front page of the Washington Journal. Um, and, um, you know, and 12 years at an accounting firm leading a fundamental practice and doing reviews of um, financial reporting valuations. I, um, you know, I reconnected with Al and Al was looking for someone to run the valuation practice so we could focus more on the M&A side. And it's been a really good partnership since then. Yeah. And that leads me to my next question. So at Exit Strategies Group, you guys are, I'd say, uniquely structured. You know, we have 27 uh, M&A firms in our alliance right now. And I think you are probably the only one structured like this, maybe one or two others. But you have an M&A side, investment banking side, and evaluation side. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, those two go hand in hand, but you also lead, you yourself lead the the valuations uh, side of the of the business. So what does that, you know, what does that all entail outside of quote-unquote M&A valuation or assessment? Well, it's a lot more frequency. So we, we, we touch probably, you know, 80 to 100 um, firms a year in terms of valuation. When I say firms, I'm not talking, sometimes, uh, you know, 25 to 30% of them are not operating businesses, they're holding companies, they're family limited partnerships. Um, you know, we do a lot of valuation um, that we call discount letters, effectively valuing a portfolio of assets and applying a discount based on the operating agreement or buy-sell agreement. Um, so that's where it's different. Um, you know, that, that has a very low correlation to the M&A practice. However, you know, if you look at the, the, um, the exit strategy of a, you know, the, of a, of a owner of a low to middle market company, it starts with identifying a baseline value, goes through, you know, an idea of um, how it's going to look, what the planning is, what the timing is. And then at the end, assessing value so that you can effectively put an ask price or have that ask price, um, you know, um, established when you, when you sell a business. So we're on both ends and we have great partners in the middle that we, um, that we both um, hand, you know, hand companies off to and introduce companies uh, to, or they will um, introduce us um, to, you know, a, a business that wants to sell. So our network is definitely one of exit planners. It's one of, um, you know, attorneys, um, accountants, um, you know, and our own, you know, our own development, our own marketing. But, at the beginning of that process is um, a hypothetical baseline or a baseline that's based on a hypothetical willing buyer. And usually that hypothetical willing buyer is, is for lack of a better term, a private equity firm or, or someone who, who wants to buy the business and generate enough cash flow to pay down the debt and, you know, and grow the business um, and then sell it at a higher price for, you know, over a five year holding period. Um, 
you know, we don't look at it that way in particular, but, you know, our, our model's based on that type of framework in a five-year forecast, if we're looking at a multi-period um, discounted cash flow and so forth. The assessment is, is you know, the most probable selling price. What, what will it sell for? And that, that will include private equity firms at a low end of that range, but it is by definition a range. You know, what will a strategic buyer pay for? What will, you know, um, you know, what will someone who has to have the asset pay for it? Um, you know, so it's crazy money. And uh, I remember when I was in M&A back in New York, my second year out of college, um, a buyer asked, you know, what is it going to take to, to buy the, or what, what is this company worth? What, what are we going to need to, you know, um, pay for it to, to get it. And I said, well, that's for you to tell me, you know, I am, um, you know, and, and multiples are easy for bankers, right? Because it's an exit multiple, right? You figure out what the price is, you take a metric, you divide by it and it's, it's easy to calculate. But, um, when you're looking at those transactions, it's hard to, you know, um, it's hard to tell which ones are, you know, buying them for fundamental reasons, which one for strategic reasons. And so we build that analysis into our, um, um, our discounts uh, for lack of control and marketability. But my point is, is that um, the market tells us what it's worth at this point. You know, mm -hmm. I have to identify, you know, what I think it's worth. Um, this is always correct. This is almost never correct because I have nothing to compare it to. I, have, I don't have any transactions. Um, some, sometimes I do. Sometimes the stock sells. Um, but, you know, if it's not a third party, you know, uh, transaction, you know, arm's length, um, it's kind of hard to say it's comparable. So, um, so there, there are a lot of differences. We use the same model. Um, so I'm in charge of the model and making sure it's updated and um, need to do that for this year with the, the year end uh, returns and so forth. But um, yeah, I mean, the assessment really um, is what gets us to that end point and creates that, um, you know, um, the end of that relationship. Whereas mm -hmm. my work is in many ways the start of that relationship. Right, right. Um, yeah, so evaluation serves a different purpose than an assessment. I know you guys do both. Um, you know, if you, I mean, when would you, you know, from an now from an M&A perspective, you guys, do you guys mostly do a business assessment? Oh, before we do M&A engagements? Absolutely. But we, we do it a little differently and we, um, we, we do the assessment separately. So the assessment's not built into the decision to take it to market. The assessment's just that. It's an assessment. What do, you, what do we think it, it, it will sell for? If the, mm -hmm. if the company is not comfortable, you know, at that price or they want a higher price and they feel like they need to execute in order to get there, then um, we'll give them ideas as to what, you know, um, what they should do to execute and bring. I mean, the, the, the values, you know, it, it, it accelerates exponentially. If you if you can if you can get the company to um, generate higher EBITDA by refining their processes or, you know, investing in, in certain things. Um, we're not the corporate development team, but we are, you know, someone who can suggest what those things may be based on what we see in terms of value in the market. But by doing that, you also, you know, a higher margin company usually sells for a higher multiple. And so, and, and a larger company usually sells for a larger multiple and a diversified company usually sells for a, a higher multiple. And really that's a matter of risk. You can mitigate risk of, you know, of having one product by getting a portfolio of products. You can mitigate, you know, risk of financial by, you know, by generating higher EBITDA and banking, you know, as much as you can to pay for, 
you know, uh, to pay for working capital, for working capital to pay for that expansion, but also um, avoiding debt at, you know, high interest rates right now. So, um, so part of our assessment at the end, Al does a really good job and so do our, the rest of our team of, of identifying what he thinks they can do in order to, to grow the value of that business. And if they're not comfortable selling it now, they need to execute on that. And that's, that's more of a, you know, quarterly contact, um, you know, see how they're doing and whether they're ready to sell. And unfortunately right now it's the opposite. At the time that we did the assessment, they wanted to sell, but because of the current um, environment, some of those numbers are, are going down. And so it's harder to sell, um, you know, a company that's got uh, declining revenue or declining uh, earnings. Um, but um, fundamentally, I think that uh, most of the buyers that are buying something will, you know, not walk away from that transaction, but certainly use it as an opportunity to get it at a lower price. Right. So you guys have your valuation side of the business who, who does the valuation work, who handles the business assessments and you're, 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 you and your team are not necessarily doing the M&A transaction, which is Al and his team. So there has to be that seamless handoff and transition. How does that kind of take us through how that transition works? So you can arm the advisor, M&A advisor with all the necessary information that he or she needs to know to present it to their client. Well, I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have a really strong group that's worked together for a while. So that handoff's mm -hmm. really not that difficult. Um, the, the, the key, uh, the key connection between the two are, is really the, the model. And so whenever there's a model, I'm sort of the 411-911 phone call in terms of where can I get this information? Um, you know, I'm looking at this, this doesn't look right. Tell me, you know, talk, talk me through, you know, how you built it or how it was built so that I can understand what I'm, what I'm working on. So we have a smaller group. So we, we have, we hired our first analyst, um, last year and um, Matt, who's from Michigan, um, is um, is really good at balancing those two because he really wants to learn, um, you know, a, about M&A. So he's helping out with, a, 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 you know, the, the sale process, the SIMS, the assessments, but he's also working with me on the valuation. So that connection is actually a good one. Um, and we're trying to hire an intern over the summer. Um, well, we, we picked one, so hopefully, you know, I don't get a lot of resumes because we, we don't have any more open, but, um, but I, um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of teaching in many ways. Um, and, um, that came from working at an accounting firm for 12 years and being the senior person and having the majority of the, the, the associates be straight out of college after a, you know, one year program, um, for, um, for the accounting firm, which did a great job with uh, first years. Um, and once they declare, some declared to go directly into valuation because they rotated through valuation. So a lot of presentations to the first years, a lot of teaching, a lot of, you know, um, sitting people down and explaining things, walking through a model, teaching them how, what an option pricing model is and so forth. So I, um, I consider myself at times to be a teacher um, as well as a, an executor. I execute a lot more than I did um, back in, um, my accounting day is because um, it's a smaller group. So, um, you know, I, I need to, I need to pick up um, the execution side a, a little bit more often now, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, um, it's a, uh, I think a, a seamless process is, is almost impossible, but it does have a strong connection between the two groups uh, through the model and through um, Matt and through, you know, my, um, my help with uh, with the valuation model. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and the best practices that we get from Cornerstone are immense. Um, I mean, the, the fact is, is that that knowledge doesn't just come from me and doesn't come from Al, like, you know, or our, you know, our exchange of knowledge through our, um, our advisors, but it, it, it certainly comes through Al's active participation um, at the higher level of the CIA and our monthly calls. And, you know, I think that, that ROI in terms of our, you know, investment in CIA has been phenomenal in terms of um, that um, shared knowledge and best practices. Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, throwing that in there because that's what, what we're all about is, is connection and sharing information and working together and helping build each other up. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what you know, a question I uh, kind of off track here, but, um, you know, in an M&A situation, um, do you offer, at what, what point do you offer a formal valuation? Maybe you don't, maybe there's certain situations that you do. Um, and if you do, you know, how do you, how do you handle the question? Well, why do I want a valuation? Um, which is more, you know, it's a, you know, more formal. It's, it's more expensive than a business assessment. Why would I want that as opposed to a business assessment? So at the beginning, when, when we've identified some, I mean, first of all, we have specific scope of work sometimes where an M&A situation doesn't come into play. So that low correlation work is mostly all formal valuation work. Mm -hmm. um, or we have a partner divorce or we have a, um, a divorce um, or, you know, something that, that, that won't logically lead to a sale. But when we, we, we engage with someone who says, hey, I want to sell this company maybe in three to five years, but I need a baseline valuation. Um, the first question I ask is, well, you know, um, are you going to try to um, utilize a gift tax exemption and gift some of the ownership to your, you know, um, your employees, your 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 children, your family, um, is that in your plans? And if it is, then you're, you are going to need a formal valuation. So as, as long as I'm, as long as I'm calculating a baseline, let me, let me do a formal valuation that will allow you over the next year, because that, that report has a 12 month shelf life over the next year and decide whether, you know, you want to, you know, if you do want to gift and when you gift and it, you know, at what percentage. Um, and so what I try to do in terms of, any valuation is try to identify situations where they can get a higher return on that investment. And it's not just a compliance exercise because I learned very quickly with, um, with 409A valuations that it's a compliance exercise and it's a commodity. And so you're chasing zero, especially when your competitors are trying to sell cap table management software and giving away the valuation for free. And so um, my goal in my move from an accounting firm to um, an M&A firm or a valuation M&A firm was to avoid that um, commoditization of, you know, what I do. Um, and, um, you know, some of the biggest uh, suppliers of business valuations for 409A are um, made a huge investment a few years back in, in AI. So, you know, sometimes you're not even talking to anybody. Um, I think that, um, you know, the goal for me to identify and differentiate myself is to um, is to talk through what the need is and see what I can do to increase the value associated with that need, or ask some follow-up questions that you know may lead to an introduction to Al and his team. So I have a note on my calendar today that I need to introduce Al to one of my um, valuation firms because they are looking to possibly sell. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, not valuation firms, valuation clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you offer, I mean, I guess, 
you know, it's probably a little different with you guys, with, with you guys and how you're structured. Now, how often do opportunities come in toward, towards the M&A side um, that, and, and I think you guys always want to do a business evaluation or appraisal, right? Um, so, you know, one is that, you know, you always want one of those and why, and two, if it's coming from the M&A side, how, you know, how does that get handed off to you guys to kind of run with, an, you know, an assessment and then, because I, I would imagine, you know, and let me know your experience. If it's coming into, you know, Al and his team, I want to sell my business, but we recommend you have a business assessment, you know, most times, right? You know, how does that work? Well, I mean, when leads come in or, you know, if we get uh, contacted by one of our networking sources, um, we identify pretty, pretty quickly, whether it's an M&A opportunity or evaluation opportunity. So Al's never going to talk to the accounting firm that wants a family limited partnership valuation. It's always going to go to me. Mm-hmm. And if they are actively trying to find a, you know, um, an advisor to sell their business, it's always going to go to Al. But obviously there are things in the middle that we need to figure out. And so um, really it's, um, it's either Al or myself, depending on where we think it may go, um, picking up the phone, calling them, asking them questions, trying to figure out what they want to do. And then um, suggesting after that call that it should go to Al or it should go to me. Um, we do we do suggest that you know assessments be done before that conversation really goes much further, just because um, we we don't know what the, the business is worth. And um, you know they can say usually there's rule of thumb when you talk to business owners, and they'll say, well, you know I've heard it's four to six times EBITDA. Or I've, you know, I've, I've heard it's, you know, uh, 45 or, you know, 45% of revenue. Um, and those, those are not necessarily dangerous, but those are starting points of, of value. And you have to explain that saying, hey, look, we need to look in um, and, and, and do our diligence because we know the buyers are going to do the same diligence. They're not going to look at value with the rule of thumb. They're going to look at it in terms of cash flows, in terms of what the future looks like, what they can identify as risk and, you know, what they're going to pay for it. So, that really involves a, a deep dive that, you know, you really can't do with, a, you know, a quick rule of thumb valuation. So we try to explain that to them. And if they're price sensitive, we, you know, we may, um, or they're smaller, we may do it for free. Um, you know, we rarely do, but I think, you know, we have situations where, you know, we're dealing with a friend or we're dealing with a, um, you know, close contact that, you know, we're, we're fine with doing it, but we won't do a full report or anything like that. We'll just get a number and talk through mm-hmm. that number. Um, yeah. that's pretty easy. That's sort of the, you know, the 80, 20 is, you know, getting the number and, but the assessment is really digging in and finding out what the, I mean, I call them nuggets of value, but what the intangible values are, you know, mm-hmm. whether their, their brand is, you know, strong or weak or whether they are, have a strong position within the industry. Um, you can't get that from just the quantitative analysis. So, so we try to, we try to remind them of that and, yeah. You know, at some point, at some point in time, they just don't want to spend the money, and um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, well, that lead, that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, if someone's, you know, I don't want to spend the money on evaluation, and and you know, is it worth it? You know, why would I want to do this? You know, what's your sales pitch to a business owner? You know, when when they have those reservations about doing a, an assessment or evaluation? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, we, we try to simplify M&A by, um, by using a, a very simple analogy, and that is selling your house. Um, you know, you, um, you can say that you're, we paid X number, you know, X thousand for our house. We want to sell it for, you know, uh, 50% more or so forth. 
Well, you, you need to do some you need to do some research. Fortunately, there's Zillow. There's no Zillow for you know for businesses. So, uh, but there's Zillow to get an idea of what um, what the value of your house is. Well, Zillow is based on market comps. Um, mm-hmm. It's based on appraisal. It's based on assessments. It's it's a very strong tool, but it's a tool for you know a tool that that incorporates data that's easily um, you know can easily be pulled um, from public records, MLS, that sort of thing. And so, um, so you wouldn't go sell your house without trying to identify what you think it's worth, um, because you may think it's worth a million dollars because you want a million dollars, but it's only worth eight hundred thousand. And so, you know, you're not going to get anybody buy it at a million dollars because that's your that's the price that you need to make a good profit. And so, I think that's where we, you know, we try to use analogies like that. We try to identify. Um, opportunities, like I said, with regard to gifting um, and estate planning, exit planning. Um, but um, more importantly, you know, the the establishment of a baseline value that's based on, a, you know, a, a deep dive and a formal due diligence, um, I think is important for a, a business owner to understand because, you know, business owners, even five, 10 years before they sell their business, they say, well, well what is my business worth? I, you know, I have no idea. I know that I make money, but, you know, I have no idea what that, that, you know, um, that business may be worth on an open market or a hypothetical market. So they're just inquisitive. And I think those are the serial entrepreneurs or, you know, entrepreneurs who, who, you know, um, buy and sell, um, businesses maybe two or three times over the course of their, um, their careers or start and sell businesses like, like technology firms and, um, you know, understand when it when the time is right to buy and when the time is right to sell. My apologies in advance. I'm going to put you on the spot here with a quick example. Do you have anything that pop, pops uh, to mind? Um, you know, when you're when you're looking at um, you know, an opportunity to come in on the M and A side, and you know, you were like a good success story that you can share that you know maybe a, a valuation really informed a business owner. You know whether he should go, he or she should go to market or not, and if if it said yeah, now is a good time. You know, based on that valuation, how that maybe help them kind of have the lights turn on and be like, oh, this is a good time, or maybe I need to do this, that, or whatever um, to you know increase the value. But based off of the work that you do, how you know that positively impacted you know a client that you know is likely you know selling their biggest you know but you know it's going to be their biggest financial asset of their life, right? Life and you know, looking to maybe move on to retirement. Like anything that you come to mind that you, you want to share, like a really cool story? Yeah, I mean, we had, um, so I've only worked on one M&A engagement with Al. And I did that for, you know, educational purposes and, mm-hmm. and really helped Al with the, the SIM, with the, um, you know, with the buyer's list, with the, the data room, that sort of thing. Um, but it was a unique client in that um, they were a California machine tool um, company. And, um there were a lot of ad backs, a lot of them. And so, you know, the business was really used as a, um, you know, a sort of a, um, a bank account for the owners, uh, mm-hmm. not just the majority owner, but other owners. And so, um, you know, when you look at the business without the ad backs, it's not really worth much because it's minimizing taxes. But if you, you know, we had a, we had a very deep dive of what those ad backs were and our, and we established Al and I early on that the biggest, the biggest challenge we have is selling those ad backs to a potential buyer. 
um, mm -hmm. because yeah. you know we, they they need to have as much detail as possible. And so, um, so I think the purchase price was surprisingly higher than I think the um, the owner uh, expected because we were able to establish a, an EBITDA that was significantly higher than what they were recording. And so, um, and, you know, we were able to identify, um, you know, opportunities where they didn't have to sell the, the you know, the, the, the land and the assets and they could lease those back. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, in the end, they got a really good price on, a, on an operating business um, before, you know, all this inflationary uh, pressure um, and uh, interest rate increases um, came into play. Um, the, the company probably, if we sold it right now, would probably go for less, but I'm sure that they're still as strong um, from an earnings perspective. Um, they probably are even stronger because the, the, the buyer was a public company that brought a lot of synergies into the, um, into the business. So, um, and, you know, the, um, the opportunity to have, um, um, you know, to participate in some of that equity um, with a, um, you know, a 20% stake gave them a better, a better opportunity to, um, you know, take a bite at the apple when that, that value is at a point where the, the buyer feels like they can maximize by selling either the entire business or, you know, that particular business. So, so yeah, I think yeah. there's, there are opportunities where, you know, we have the ability to walk them through what our process is to identify how we're going to try to maximize value. And they've never thought about that before, or they've thought about it, but they've never identified how to, you know, how to calculate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You're trying to maximize value and, you know, sell the company at, you know, hopefully the highest price, but, you know, that's not always the most important thing, the structure of the deal and you know, find the right buyer and legacy and all that sort of stuff all comes into play too. But I think that's, you know, it's a really cool story where essentially they went into this, you know, at, you know, probably an expectation of a price and you guys through your business assessment work were able to identify ways in which, the, the sale price inevitably was higher than what they were, were looking at, right? Is that kind of? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. They want it more um, <laughs> because, you know, they, and, and when they, when I say they want it more, it's, they weren't greedy. It's just that they wanted to identify, when we identify what we consider to be the synergies with each potential buyer, they mm -hmm. wanted some of that value. And our mm -hmm. point was, look, they're rarely going to share that value with you because they are bringing it to the table. They're paying you for right. the value you've created, not the value they've created. Um, yeah. But it will give them the opportunity to, you know, to have a cushion of um, of increase that, you know, will likely get them the deal um, mm -hmm. if they feel that they need wow. to increase price. But um, that's our job to make sure that they understand, you know, who the other, um, you know, what their comp competition is for the business and what they need to do to get it done. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think, you know, if you were to talk to the majority of our clients uh, on the M&A side, first, they love Al. And Al does the majority of our M&A work. So they love working with Al, um, but they love working with our other advisors, um, Louis Cianci, you know, Roy Martinez. I mean, these guys are, you know, people that are um, well-liked by our clients and they maintain contact with them because at some point, I'm sorry, our sellers, because they, at some point in time, you know, they want to refer them or, you know, they have another business they want to sell or so forth. But, um, but in terms of, um, um, you know, the value that we add, I think that they would, they would all say that they, um, they feel that they either got, you know, the right price, um, a fair price or a price that exceeded what they, you know, 
what they expected. And you know, we rarely get to a point where we're selling we're selling a business for what we you know below what we think it's worth um, because we're just chasing a fee. I mean, in, yeah. in many ways, the, 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 that's the most difficult decision of a, a load at, you know, any, any investment banker, right. Is yeah. Don't, don't calculate the fee before the transaction's done. Um, I mean, <laughs> right. I, know, I know that's, I know that's tough, but um, you know, you feel like you're walking away from a million dollar, you know, fee. Well, you know, that million dollar fee, um, you know, the, the seller's walking away from a significantly lower price and, and that's much higher than a million dollars if that's the case. Right, right. Well, and, and I think, you know, to me, <laughs> the moral of the story is for uh, for these business owners, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And us as M&A advisors to really, you know, advise our, our, our clients or at this point, maybe potential clients on you really should get a valuation or a, an estimate of value or a business estimate or whatever, just to establish, you know, a benchmark as to, or a baseline even as to, you know, these are where the expectations are. And then we can go out and see what the market bears. But I think to be correct, you know, I think you'd agree with this show that, you know, truly to understand, you know, what this process might look like for you to have that benchmark of a business estimate is, is, is key. It is. And, and, and sometimes, you know, if there is price sensitivity and, you know, we don't want to do, we don't want to give away our product, um, we'll do something a little bit less. We have something called a quick calculation of value, which is really just that. It just, you know, it looks at market multiples. It looks at, you know, financials in a, um, you know, in a summary manner and says, look, you know, you know, we could argue for something like this, but this is probably going to be, you know, the high end or the low end or, you know, somewhere in between based on, you know, the multiples that we're using. But um, that's a pretty straightforward process that will allow us to do, you know, a, a calculate value for a few thousand dollars. Um, and, you know, we, um, we don't usually um, provide a report with that. It's just a, verbal communication that gets done over a one to two two hour meeting and um it really can be a good starting point for um, a company that is not really sure whether they want to sell is not really sure whether you know they think it's worth anything it's a it's it's a baseline but it's not as strong of a baseline as an assessment or a full valuation mm. but we then, to... i'll say then it can kind of tip the scale for the business owner too like oh maybe now's a good time to sell or maybe no, it's not based off of this. You know, we got some work to do. Exactly. And I, I think also what helps us, um, which is also fair and, and logical, is that um, we're going to tell them if they want to do a formal assessment, we've already done some of the work, so we're not going to have you pay for it twice. We'll give you right. a credit for the you know, $2,000 that you paid. If our assessment's $10,000, you only have to pay the incremental eight. I'm sorry mm -hmm. about that. Um, I thought I turned Sorry. everything off, but the, the fact is, is that we do that for all of our assessments as well um, mm -hmm. with a success fee. If the success yeah. fee, you know, if, you know, so they're going to get that $2,000 back for the assessment, but they're going to get the entire, you know, $10,000 back on a success fee um, mm -hmm. because I think that's the fair way to do it. Um, at, at the close of the, of the sale, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, upon success, uh, a successful sale will will credit that right. as part credit of that back. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, Joe, I, I really appreciate your time um, and really explaining the differences between evaluation and an assessment. I know we dove yeah, a little bit fine. deeper deeper into the assessment on the M and A side, but um, you know, I think it's important to uh, to consider that for your business, for your clients. And and um, you know, Joe's a, been a huge resource for me and for for Cornerstone International Alliance members as well. 
with all of his extensive work in the valuation space, um, that uh, he's been a tremendous resource for us um, uh, during this uh, during my my time here with with CIA. So I appreciate you, Joe. Um, where can uh, where can people if they want to learn more? I know you do a lot of you know education and uh, blogs and articles and you know publications and things like that. Where can people find you and more information about your work and the work of Exit Strategies uh, Group? Yeah, I mean, if you just um, go to the Exit Strategies uh, Group website or search Exit Strategies Group, you'll see that um, you'll see that there are um, drop downs for the team, and you just go to my you know my name on the team, and you'll you'll get my my CV, my bio, my contact information, my email address. Um, in terms of education, I'm going to be um, working with a an investment banker in the wine space, as well as a uh, appraiser of vineyards to look at valuations of wineries um, through BB Resources, their, uh, their training pass uh, program. And so that's gonna be a fun uh, opportunity um, in March. And then, um, yeah, I try to do one or two things a year in terms of those types of, um, those types of uh, presentations. I, I try to do them with people that I know and I like and I um, respect in terms of their knowledge. And so uh, that makes it a little bit more fun for me. <laughs> and we were talking about wine, you know, what better, what better industry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe you and I can write an article uh, together on the, um, the value differences between the San Francisco 49ers and the, uh, the publicly owned Green Bay Packers and what makes e e either one a better team in terms of yeah. uh, winning on Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to see how that goes. Um, right. I'm not, uh, I'm, uh, it could be, you know, it could be great for, for the Packers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, knew, who, knew, uh, who knew that Jordan Love was going to be the Trey Lance of, uh, you know, the, oh. the, the, the plan, the plan Trey Lance of uh, yeah, the, the Packers. The original plan of Trey Lance that kind yeah. of went sideways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, again, Joe, thank you so much. Um, that is all we have for this episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast. One thing that would really help um, Joe and myself out um, is to share, uh, comment, like this episode, um, and 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 send it off to anybody you think could, uh, who, who's in the valuation business or who's thinking about it or wants to learn more about business valuations um, and assessments. It's be a great episode to to send them. But you can see all of our episodes at cornerstone.com/podcast. And uh, thank you for joining today. Until next time, appreciate it.